today's read will be from the Browder file. 22 essays on the African-American experience written by Anthony T. Browder. Author's introduction. I am continually amazed by the ability of words to expand the human mind and open new doors for mental consideration. Everything that we think and know is a result of the information which comes into our consciousness and is stored in our mental computers. This information forms the perspective through which we view reality. It also determines how we function within society and how others respond to us. To inform means to form or shape the mind or character through study, learning experiences or instruction. The mind, like any computer, is only capable of responding to the information which is in its memory. If the information is not there, you cannot draw upon it. If the information is incorrect, then your responses will also be incorrect. The equation is simple. If limits are placed on your thinking, then limits are automatically placed on your ability to view reality and act intelligently. Educational systems are designed to control the thinking of people through the control and manipulation of image and information. We are all a product of the education we have received in school, at home, and in society. But sometimes, traditional education is not enough, particularly if key elements essential to this education process are omitted. Many years of my life have been dedicated to re-examining information which was not a part of my formal education. Needless to say, I have learned more about myself and reality than I could have ever imagined. I have come to understand that whatever a person believes with feeling becomes the sum total of their existence. I believe that absolute knowledge of self is the ultimate objective of my life. As I speak to audiences across the country in numerous lectures, seminars, and interviews, I'm often asked by those who have truly been overwhelmed by my presentations, how do you know all of this information? Usually, I reply by saying, rather than asking me how I know, all of this information, you should ask yourself, why is it that you don't know it? The feelings of powerlessness and misinformation which pervade the African-American community 
have simultaneously created in one segment of this community a real sense of urgency for obtaining accurate information of self. The lack of specific information denies you the opportunity to make intelligent decisions about your life. This, in turn, affects the quality of your life in this world and in the next. Dick Gregory said it best when he stated, information is power. Education is not power. Money is not power. Information is power. It is only through the acquisition of information that any group of people can develop the ability to control their destiny. The current conditions that plague the African-American community are a manifestation of a pervading sense of powerlessness brought about by misinformation. But even under these dire circumstances, a unique form is evolving. Everything in our world is based on the law of karma, which is the universal principle of cause and effect. For every action, there is a reaction. The popular media campaign promoting beautiful babies right from the start addresses the relationship between prenatal care and birth defects. This is karma. This is cause and effect. The same karmic principles apply in relationship to knowledge and information. Despite all evidence to the contrary, we are standing on the threshold of a renaissance of the African-American consciousness. This mental rebirth is being spearheaded by the efforts of numerous men and women who are rescuing and reconstructing African history. We are being shown a new version of history which documents advanced African culture and civilization which preceded slavery by thousands of years. We are now introduced to irrefutable evidence that brings to light the African origins of mankind, the development of the concept of time, the first solar calendar of 365 and one-fourth days, medicine, law, algebra, architecture, engineering, religion, so much more. Imagine the effect of this new information that this new information will have on the minds of school children when they learn that hypocrisies, <laughs> Hippocrates is not the father of medicine or that Christopher Columbus did not prove that the world was round and that conceptually it is impossible to discover a land when there are people already living there. These are indeed important times. It is only through the positive portrayal of the African contributions to world civilization that people, especially African Americans, will begin to see the worth of African people 
and the necessity of an Afrocentric worldview. It is a historical fact that Africans were the first people on the planet, that they developed the earliest civilizations, and that there has been a concerted effort to deny the world of these great truths. The lack of an Afrocentric worldview in my early education left me mentally malnourished. The completion of my formal education signaled the beginning of my pursuit of seemingly unrelated fields of study which have tremendously influenced my concepts of myself, my people, and the world in which I live. My training as an artist has cultivated within me the ability to perceive information through a profound understanding of symbolic imagery and its effects on the subconscious mind. An Afrocentric view of world history has allowed me to look at myself and America from a totally different perspective. The combined effects of these two methods of knowing are earth-shattering. Allow me to share an Afrocentric epistemological view of this process. New word for me. Look at the back of a dollar bill. You'll see firsthand the differences between an Afrocentric worldview and a Eurocentric view. The symbols on our currency represent the ideology of the founding fathers and the source of their ideology. Sharon Bisdy, keeper of the seal for the Secretary of State, describes the front of the seal featuring the bald eagle. Its wings are outstretched, representing dignity, freedom, strength, and vision. Above the eagle are 13 stars known as the constellation, which signify that the United States has taken its place among the nations of the world. On the eagle's breast is the shield. The bar at the top of the shield represents Congress. The 13 stripes below the bar represent the 13 original colonies supporting the Congress. The eagle carries in its beak a ribbon that displays the Latin phrase e pluribus unum, which means out of many, one. This signifies that the 13 colonies have become one nation. In its right talons, the eagle grasps an olive branch bearing 13 leaves representing peace. The left talon holds 13 arrows symbolizing war. The eagle's head is turned toward the olive branch to indicate our nation's preference for peace. On the left side of the dollar bill is the reverse of the great seal. It features a pyramid comprised of 13 courses of stone which represent the original colonies and the eye of God encased in a pyramid. According to Bisdi, the unfinished pyramid symbolizes strength and foundation for future growth. Above the pyramid in a glory burst is an eye inside a triangle 
which represents the many interventions of providence in favor of the American cause. Above the eye is the Latin phrase, anuit coeptis, which means that he has favored our undertakings. At the bottom of the pyramid are the Roman numerals for 1776, the date of the Declaration of Independence. Under that are the Latin words Novus Ordo Seclorum, which were suggested by Benjamin Franklin, John Adams, and Thomas Jefferson, meaning a new order of the ages. The front of the Great Seal was designed by Charles Thompson, Secretary of Congress. The reverse was designed by William Barrington. Is that the name? William Bar... William... William Barton. William Barton, a specialist in heraldry. And on June 20th, 1782, the emblem was adopted by an act of Congress. It has long been suggested that the soul of America is reflected in this great seal. In 1822, a Frenchman named Jean Champollion deciphered the Rosetta Stone and revealed the mysteries of the Egyptian hieroglyphs which paved the way for the European interpretation of ancient African history. Today, an Afrocentric decipherment of the Great Seal will also shed new light on the establishment of the United States of America and its relationship with African people. It is a known fact that the founding fathers were Freemasons who studied astrology and other ancient metaphysical sciences. Of the men who signed the Declaration of Independence, 51 were Masons, as were all of the generals of the Revolutionary War. In addition, 14 U.S. presidents have been acknowledged as belonging to Masonic organizations. All of the men involved in the creation of the Great Seal were practicing Masons who sought to incorporate specific values into the symbolism of the new nation. The links between Masonry and ancient Egyptian science and metaphysics have been proudly heralded by European Masons for centuries. Nowhere is this relationship more clearly defined than in George G.M. James' book, Stolen Legacy. James documented the relationship between the Egyptian mystery schools and the European Mason lodges. The word Mason, which means child of the sun, is derived from the African terms sons and daughters of light and children of the sun. The sun is symbolic of enlightenment. Therefore, these metaphors describe the people who had acquired knowledge and enlightenment. When viewed from this perspective, the significance of the great seals takes on new meaning. The front of the great seal bears a striking resemblance to the African symbol of Horus, the falcon. The use of this symbol preceded the creation of the great seal by over 5,000 years. Above the falcon is the sun, which is symbolic of power and knowledge. Horus is holding in both talons the shin, 
which is the African symbol of infinity. And above the shin is the ankh, the African symbol of life. These combined images represent the belief in infinite life, not only in this world, but in the next. Contrast this ideology to that of the eagle, which carries the symbols of war and peace. The front of the great seal is also replete with the repetition of the number 13. There are 13 leaves and 13 berries on the olive branch, 13 arrows, 13 stripes on the shield, 13 letters in the words E Pluribus Unum, and 13 stars in the constellation above the eagle's head. Throughout the seal, the number 13 is used 13 times. What is the significance of the number 13? The logical explanation is that 13 represents the 13 original colonies. But why 13 colonies? Why not 10 or an even dozen? Why not 15 colonies? In Masonic, esoteric, and metaphysical literature, 13 is the number of transformation. The completion of a cycle is represented by 12, and 12 plus 1 is the transformation of the energy of that completed cycle to a higher or spiritual level. We see this philosophy expressed in the symbolism of Christ and the 12 disciples, the sun and the 12 signs of the zodiac, King Arthur and the 12 knights of the round table, and December 25th and the 12 days of Christmas. There are many other examples. On the reverse of the great seal, we find a pyramid comprised of 13 steps. And above the pyramid, we see the Eye of Horus. History shows that the construction of pyramids occurred in lands occupied by African people in Egypt, Ethiopia, and Sudan, as well as by the Africans who migrated to Central America in the 7th century BC. The combined use of the pyramid and Eye of Horus represent a clear desire to incorporate Egyptian values in the founding of this nation. A translation of the Latin words surrounding these two symbols further reinforces this point. Novus Ordo Secorum represents the establishment of a new secret order which was founded on ancient esoteric principles. And wit coeptus means that God has favored this undertaking and has blessed it with annual endowments of unlimited wealth. Although the Eurocentric view was that America became great because of God's blessings, in reality, this country emerged as an economic world power because of 400 years of free slave labor. The history of this nation is truly unique. America is the only world power established on African principles. African people were enslaved and forced to build this country in order to bring these principles into manifestation. Suffice it to say, without either of these two components, 
this nation would not be what it is today. There are numerous examples of the African influence interwoven into the fabric of the United States of America. The prevalence of these examples is evident in Washington, D.C. During the many years that I have resided in the Metropolitan District of Columbia area, I have identified a number of sites, such as monuments, parks, and statues throughout the city, which both architecturally and and symbolically quietly commemorate the African contributions to this nation. Three years ago, I had the opportunity of sharing my research on the Kathy Hughes Morning Show on WOL Radio, 1450 AM. The morning show hosted by Ms. Hughes, owner and general manager of the station, is a drive-time talk show which features stimulating news items, discussions, and interviews. The information presented on that program held both the host and the audience spellbound. Ms. Hughes admitted unashamedly that the knowledge shared on the show was so phenomenal and vitally important to her audience that she invited me to return on the next program. Since that first appearance, I have been a guest on numerous occasions and have even hosted the show several times. However, it was my first appearance on the morning show which caught the attention of Mrs. Frances Murphy, a publisher of the Washington Afro-American newspaper. I was approached by Mrs. Murphy to write an article on one of the topics I had discussed on the show, the origins of the word Negro. That first article, The Creation of the Negro, led to a bi-weekly column entitled From the Browder File. The collection of essays in this book were written over a two-year period and published in my newspaper column. The information contained in this book is designed to touch your consciousness in a special way and thereby stimulate thoughtful and meaningful discussions with friends, relatives, and associates. I have also included references which will assist you in investigating certain subjects in greater detail. I certainly hope you will do so. We must be ever mindful of the fact that just 150 years ago, African Americans were still slaves. By law, we were forbidden from learning to read or write. The reasons were very obvious. Information is power. Information holds the key to freedom from mental and physical bondage. If you deny any people the knowledge of their history and culture, you deny them the ability to develop to their full potential. Information is power. We must be ever mindful of the fact that the time we have here on earth provides us with a lifelong opportunity to gather information and use it to improve the quality of our lives. It is the responsibility of every adult to know their history and culture, to preserve it, and then pass it on to the next generation. The youth have the responsibility of using that knowledge 
assuming their rightful place in history, and then passing this information on to the next generation. This is an obligation, not a luxury. Information is power. Information provides you with the food for thought necessary to free your mind. Use it. Anthony Tony Browder, December 21st, 1988. Preface It has been 11 years since the publication of From the Browder File and 13 years since these essays first appeared in the Washington Afro-American newspaper. Since its initial publication in 1989, From the Browder File has remained a perennial bestseller because of the timelessness of its message and the ease with which it can be read. Due credit must be given to Mrs. Frances Murphy publisher of the Washington Afro, who instructed this first-time writer to keep my columns 13 to 15 paragraphs in length, with two to three sentences per paragraph, and 12 to 15 words per sentence. Mrs. Murphy's directive helped me edit my thoughts and learn to write in a clear and precise manner. In addition, My background in art and design made it easier for me to learn to draw pictures with words so that my readers could see and feel what I thought and felt. Over the years, numerous bookstore owners have told me that they constantly recommend From the Browder File to customers who are looking for an introduction to black history. Thousands of students educators and adults have thanked me for opening their eyes to the glorious history of African people. In truth, in thanking me, they are really thanking the many people who opened my eyes and molded my thinking. I am one person out of many who run in the relay race for the race. The baton was passed to me years ago and I will continue running to the best of my ability before passing the baton to another. In the end, I am confident that we will surpass those who thought they had fixed the race to their advantage, and we will be victorious. We run today so that others will walk in dignity and peace tomorrow. There are those who are no longer in the race. They are now coaching from a higher realm and are removing obstacles from our path. I am proud to have participated in this great and mighty race with teammates such as John G. Jackson, John Henrik Clark, Charshi McIntyre, and Listervelt Middleton. Their wisdom, guidance, friendship and love have encouraged me and sustains me throughout this race which has become my life there are no spectators in life 
And as Les Brown, the motivator, says, either you're on the way or you're in the way. The race for freedom, justice, and equality begins first in the mind. And either you are conscious of this fact or you are not. If you are conscious, I urge you to keep your mind free and make the most of every hour of your existence. If you are unconscious and unaware that you are the constant victim of mental drive-bys, read from the browder file and enjoy seeing your world through new eyes. I am a firm believer that knowledge is power, but I also know that wisdom comes with the thoughtful application of knowledge, which empowers one to become conscious of newly emerging realities. We are currently standing on the threshold of a new millennium, which offers new realities for visionaries who understand where they are, where they came from, and where they wish to go. While most of the world celebrated the new millennium on January 1st, 2000, others knew because there was no year zero that the real millennium won't occur until January 1st, 2001. Consciousness determines your reality. If you're Muslim, the year 2000 won't occur for another 580 years. If you're Hebrew, the year 6000 is only 240 years away. If you are a religious scholar, you would know that due to miscalculations in the Christian calendar, the second millennium occurred in the mid-1990s. What is your reality? Time was a construct created by humans in order to orient them to a different reality. When you buy into someone else's timeline, you also buy into their reality. John Henry Clark reminded those who would listen that history is the clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. Whose clock are you using? Did you know that Africans in the Nile Valley were the first humans to divide the day into 24 hours? Did you know that the word hour was derived from the African word Heru, which represented the sun, the first timekeeper. Did you know that the movement of the sun and all celestial bodies follow precise mathematical paths through the heavens, which can be projected backward or forward in time with pinpoint accuracy? In other words, everything in the universe happens on time. And to be out of time with the universe is to be out of sync with the very forces of creation. Did you know that CP time was created for colored people by their masters in order to ensure that they would be habitually out of sync with creation? Don't be deceived by what you think you see because even a stopped clock is right twice a day. If you are using a political and cultural timeline other than your own, you could be squandering 1,438 out of the 1,440 minutes 
that you are given each day. Time is on your side only if you know how to use it. In the 1900s, W.E.B. Du Bois stated that the problem of the 20th century would be the color line. In recent years, Asa Hilliard has informed us that the problem of the 21st century will be to be African or not to be. In both instances, color and culture are determined by consciousness. Africans who have been renamed colored, Negro or black are still Africans, the first humans to walk on earth and develop language, law, science, architecture, and God concepts were also African. To be African is to be. This book was originally written to help make Africans aware of who we were and who we really are. In this revised edition of From the Browder File, I have updated some of the original essays and added some new commentaries to others. The references have been updated to keep the material as timely as possible. Because this book has served as a primer for so many, I have also written four new essays in order to address issues of personal and social significance. They are, It's About Time, The Skin I'm In, From Miseducation to Education, and Color, Culture, and Consciousness. If you're reading from the Browder file for the first time, prepare your mind for a wondrous adventure. And remember the words of a famous physicist who stated that a mind exposed to a new idea never returns to its original condition. If you've already read from the Browder file, then read it again for the first time you will discover new insights and hopefully understand the symbolic significance of the four new essays. This last century has been one of the most remarkable in human history. Africans throughout the world have lived through some of the most soul-stirring periods since the beginning of time. We are now standing at a critical juncture in the future development of human consciousness. We're poised to move into a period of profound mental transformation and spiritual growth. Or we can regress into a new age of darkness. Where we go and what we do is in our hands. If we choose to make the effort to free our mind and know ourselves, we will manifest the consciousness to restore truth, justice, and righteousness in the world. We have always had the potential to create the world we desire, whether we've known it or not. Now it's time to develop that desire and to act on it. Anthony Tony Browder, March 20th, 2000. How to use this book. Information has the ability to inspire you 
to make you excited and give you the strength and courage to complete many difficult tasks in life. All the things that I will with you, you already know. The only thing that I am doing through the presentation of material in this book is jogging your mind. Everything that you need to know, everything that there is to know is already ingrained within your memory banks. It's simply a matter of creating the proper mental attitude, tapping into that source of information and allowing the answers to come through to you. The process for personal development as outlined in Stolen Legacy was referred to as the 10 virtues. The first three virtues are of primary importance. They are one, control of thought. Two, control of action. And three, steadfastness, fortitude. The control of your thoughts allows you to select from a myriad of ideas which will determine your course of action. Life is indeed a trip, and how well you plan for that trip determines how fast and in what condition you will reach your destination. All of the things that you do in life, your actions are a direct result of the choices you make through your thought processes. Steadfastness, fortitude, is the ability to chart and maintain a steady course in life. The essays in this book are presented as roadmaps. These guidelines can direct your thinking in a progressional manner, which will ultimately lead to self-awareness and self-determination. We begin with the question, who are you? What was the creation of the Negro, and how has that creation affected you and your thinking? Next, we examine the primacy of the African as the mother of mankind and the impact of that reality. We go on to restore dignity to blackness and the black man and woman in America by presenting insightful information on the color black. A positive attraction to blackness leads to the desire to identify with African-American heroes and sheroes and to the resurrection of the African spirit. The ability to identify with an ancestral legacy establishes the capacity to recognize and confront the problems of the present and the future. A firm foundation is always required for the building of any superstructure, and the deeper the foundation, the taller and firmer that structure will stand. With the historical references firmly established, the remaining essays in this publication will allow you to examine some of the most pertinent issues facing us today from a much broader perspective. Then comes the hard part, that is, the integration of this new information into your daily life. Without a doubt, melanin is one of the most important topics to be discussed during the 21st century. We must begin now to understand the critical issues concerning the psychological, 
and spiritual attributes of melanin and the role it will play in the survival of the human race. We must begin today to prepare for our future. Now is the time to start building your ark, so to speak. You don't want to wait until the rains come before you begin thinking about survival. A good set of blueprints is always necessary for the development of any project, and I would like to offer you a set of working plans. There are seven suggestions that I strongly recommend you consider and factor into your daily routine. One, you have to begin to unlearn all that you have learned. If you have been miseducated, as Carter G. Woodson stated in The Miseducation of the Negro, then you have to unlearn everything that you have been taught. Next, you must fill that empty void with accurate knowledge and information. Two, as you go through this process of exposing yourself to new information, you'll have the tendency to get excited and to have a sort of natural high. You'll want to run out and share this knowledge with friends and loved ones. You can't convert everyone. People will grow when it is time for them to grow. In the meantime, you love them you appreciate them, and you help them when you can. The whole purpose of this information is to reshape your thinking and to increase your potential for good. Three, once you begin to integrate this information into your daily activities, your life will become an example for others. When you do the right thing, then good will come to you. You must constantly affirm the principles of karma in your life. Four, attune yourself with nature and your environment. You must be conscious of the things that go on around you and their effect on you mentally, physically, and spiritually. By increasing your level of sensitivity and awareness, you will be able to get through times of stress and strain and keep your soul intact. Five, understand the significance of melanin. This is a gift from the creator, which serves to protect the body and makes communication with higher levels of consciousness possible. This is a blessing and we are blessed people. It's important that we know who and what we are. It is also important that we do those things necessary to maintain and enhance these blessings. Six, learn the benefits of fasting and meditation. Positive attributes are available through the regular practice of these two activities. You are a product of what you eat and think, and your body responds to both. So therefore, it is important to monitor what you put into your body as well as what you put into your mind. Seven, manifest the creative potential that exists within you. It is the source of all power and your key to life. You must also continue to use this creative energy on a regular basis, for if you don't, you will surely lose it. Enough said. If nothing more is accomplished, I 
would like to think that the essays contained in this book will make you stop and think about yourself and how to exercise greater control over your life through the acquisition and utilization of good information. Look at it this way. The quality of your life is determined by how you use this information. Use it wisely.